Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sherry Clip. I have a real exciting show tonight. Um, a very special guest, author and editor Rick Tuber is joining me. Rick, welcome to the show tonight. Thanks for having me, Sherry. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, Rick, we've been doing a little bit of talking here. You you tell me you have some that you've been an author of some books that are kind of trying to get out there. Why don't you give us a little bit of insight? Sure. Um I was a film editor for like thirty seven years, uh, in Hollywood, cutting mostly television shows, uh, including ER and Flipper, Flatland, uh, Lie to Me, Crime Story, a lot of, lot of TV shows. And I would tell stories through my images and move them around until it made sense. And then as I got older, I thought, well, I'd like to tell stories with words. And it's amazing how similar the two professions are. It's reworking the same material over and over, basically by yourself. So it's, uh, it was actually kind of an easy transition. The only thing is I never had the discipline to complete anything until I turned 60, and now I've got three books. Taking you to write these three books. <laughs> well, the first one is nonfiction, and it's, uh, it's called Shanghai Cuts, a Hollywood film editor's misadventures in China. Uh, kind of interesting. In 2001, I was working on a horrible show called UC Undercover. Uh, I actually hated the producer and was having a horrible time. So I quit after the first episode. And for the next three months, I was, I was out of work and I kept getting calls from this one show called Flatland that was going to be shot and edited in China and another brand new show called The Shield, which went on to be a very famous cult, cult show. And for two months, they both would call me every week saying, are you still available? We're thinking of making a change. And on a Friday, I'll never forget it, I got a call from Andre Morgan, who was the producer of the China show, saying, you're hired, come to the office, bring your passport, you leave for Shanghai Monday morning. So I ran to his office before he had a chance to change his mind, filled out paperwork, gave him my passport, returned home to find a message on my machine from the Shield saying, we'd like you to start Monday. So I had... Two job offers wow. within two hours on two different continents. And uh, I called my wife and, and told her, and she said, well, you're going to stay here and work on the shield, right? And I said, well, I've already given them my passport. And, you know, I've never been to Asia. I'd kind of like to do that. So I, I went to China, mm-hmm. and it was just so interesting because I was 48 working with early 20s Chinese people. And there was a communication, a language problem, uh, and everything was just so different there that I, uh, the first month was hard. I was there five months, and then I fell in love with the country and the people, 
And uh, my wife said, you've got to take some journals with you and, and write notes. And I filled three full journals, and they sat with me for about 10 years. And then I thought, you know what, it's kind of interesting being a fish out of water. Uh, maybe I should write it into a book. And it took me two years to, to actually do that. And so that was my first book. Oh. And there was, there was just some interesting things there. You know, I was invited to go see a, a cricket match where two insects fight to the death. And as much <laughs> as I enjoyed that, I just I passed on that. And I, I went with... Uh, I went with a friend. It was kind of an international uh, crew, a couple Canadians. And I went out one night for drinks and, and dancing. I don't dance, but I went with him. And it was like 1230 in the morning, and I decided it was too crowded. It's time for me to leave. And the way you would get around Shanghai is you'd have business cards of your your hotel, or in my case, the uh, the executive apartment they put me in. And so I flagged a cab. There's thousands of cabs, and he got lost. And it's raining. It's now like 1, 1.30 in the morning, and he just let me out. And he let me out in a residential area, and there's no one out, no one around. I don't have a phone. It's pouring, and I don't know where the hell I am. And fortunately, two uh, young women walked by, and I gave them my card. They called a cab and went with me. Uh, apparently that cab driver got lost too, but eventually I got home at like quarter to three in the morning, and uh, that was an adventure. And so I wrote the book just uh, detailing that. And, and the other thing, while I was in China having drinks with twenty-something-year-old Chinese uh, coworkers, I was having a crisis at home. Uh, my son had just had a baby; he wasn't married. Her parents wanted to give him up for adoption. My son said, "Absolutely not." So they were fighting here, and I'm off in China just having a, a fairly good time. So that, that's what that book is about, uh, very factual. And because I took the journals, uh, everything came back to me, and, and uh, I've got a lot of pictures. So when I talk about coworkers, you can actually see them. And, uh, and, and actually, my wife has a couple interjections in the book too saying what was going on and what I was missing while I was was off working six days a week in Shanghai that had to have been rough for you being away from your family that's for sure and being in a country where you're trying to learn how to even survive around these people you you can't speak their language and they're understand some of their cultures I'm sure (laughs) but yeah it's pretty uh, you know the food was different. Uh, it was it was it was a very interesting but positive experience. Right, right, because you you had to learn, and this is cultures you've never experienced before, right? Right, so, and and I've I've gone back ten times since to visit, and I still have my coworker <laughs> friends. Uh, three of them have come to stay with us here for their vacations, and I've brought friends and family there. Well, for the last 17 years, because I enjoy it so much. Wow. So that's, that's the first book, Shanghai Cuts. And um, would, while I, I can ask kind you of real quick. Sure. Would, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but do you feel now that you would be able to write another Shanghai Cuts, just maybe differently? Or not your, you well, really I, I could. I, I thought now that I've written two murder mysteries that I could actually set one there. 
because I do know mm-hmm. the streets and, and I can set the scene. You know, it's, it's just so crowded with people and bicycles and scooters and uh, neon. It's, it's just a great place to tell a story. So it, it's Neat. not out of the question. Hey, well, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> well, you're, you're welcome. And actually, while I was writing that, I had an idea uh, for a murder mystery, and it, it came out of anger. What happened was uh, my wife and I were living here with our three adult kids, and my oldest son from a first marriage uh, met a girl and had her move in with us, and she brought along her teenage son. And this woman was like the monster from hell. All I can say is that she has some psychological problems. Uh, she would, she would, <laughs> we live on a big hill, and there's a lot of... Uh, brush and shrubbery and she would actually shoot feral cats in the backyard um, oh my gosh she did a lot of things and it was getting uh, they were here five years and finally slamming doors and yelling eventually she alienated my son from the rest of the family so his brothers uh, were not allowed to talk with him and, and we were alienated even his, his son was alienated, and finally we said they have to leave, and they wouldn't leave. And this is the basis for my second book, Should Have Seen It Coming. Uh, We ended up having to get a lawyer and having to evict them from my own house. And as it turned out, we gave them money to leave, and and sadly I haven't talked to them since. But I thought this would make a good book. It's family dysfunction at a high level. And what I did is I changed the names, and put in a lot of humor because I had to. It was the only way to get me through it. And I think if she had stayed, if they had stayed, someone would have ended up dead. So I just kind of ran with that. And that was my book, mm-hmm. Should Have Seen It Coming. And the new book is its sequel. Uh, not to give too much away, but it takes place 17 years later after she's released from prison for a crime she didn't really commit. And she is angry. Uh, and she wants revenge. So that's that's what the new book, Just My Effing Luck, is about. Wow. And I see yeah. there's, there's a, 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 a – what, what type of drink is that? That's, is that whiskey or a hard liquor? Single malt, <laughs> single malt scotch is very good scotch, and I'm having one right now yeah. as you speak. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I could say my influences have been uh, Joe Lonsdale, Stephen King, Carl Hyacin, Elmore Leonard, and I think what sets this book apart, or actually all three of them, is is that I try and do it with some humor, and so while these mm-hmm. horrible things are happening, uh, you still kind of get a chuckle out of it. That must have been kind of hard for you to add in those. I mean, they seem like really true stories, and your your experiences through them don't seem very happy. So to add in humor to that, was that difficult to do that? Um, no, I, I thought, one, it would be too much of a downer if I didn't, and two, that's just kind of my personality. You know, I, I find funny things in, in even bad situations. Uh, which isn't always a good thing, but it, it, it worked, I think, for these two books. And I don't think you have to read 
should have seen it coming to really understand just my effing luck. They're, they're independent, although it wouldn't hurt to read the first one first. Hmm. Now, um, where would they be able to purchase these books? Are they on Amazon? They're all on Amazon. They're on Barnes & Noble. And uh, I just have a brand-new website, ricktuber.com, which has links to buy all the books. So that's the easiest. It's uh, R-I-C-K-T-U-B-E-R.com. And uh, you can get them in all different formats. There's the Kindle versions, the soft cover, and the hardcover. And uh, thinking about maybe doing another one. So we'll see. I'm still working, though, as an editor. Uh, my last oh, you network are. show, last network show was Bones, but I've, I'm volunteering actually for a uh, a ministry, and what they do is called Hollywood Impact Studios, and they teach nonviolent offenders the film business. So there's like classes, and they teach them the camera and audio and set design, and twice a year the inmates put on an interview show. And so I'm I'm the editor of that. And they use three and four cameras, and it's a little bit of a challenge because they're not professional. But but I think it's a really worthy cause, and I'm glad to be a part of that. That's re- that's really great. And who knows? You know, I'm I'm thinking. You know, you start meeting these people and learning some more stories. I, I have a feeling you'll be writing another story. <laughs> I could be. They they actually seem very uh, very interested to learn and and I think sincerely want to start their lives over. Most are in for drug offenses, and uh, okay. it's, it's all nonviolent. And uh, in fact, I, we just did a show two weeks ago where I was there. I to go through all sorts of security and and uh, get your special pass and. Uh, pretty interesting to see all the barbed wire and uh, people in their jail t-shirts. Kind of of different. I've never been exposed to that sort of thing before, but but there could be stories in there. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting to um, be able to meet people at different walks of life. And I've always enjoyed that. And I did meet an inmate at one time. <laughs> and the stories they come out with just um, what happens in jail and, um, you know, what they're in for. And it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, a lot of people, uh, some of them have made a, a lot of mistakes and they're repeat offenders. But others got a bad break or were caught, you know, smoking marijuana, something that, they probably wouldn't get arrested for now. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. And, you know, before, when I first started my editing career, I, I worked on nothing uh, but bad sequels. I did Arthur 2 and Sister Act 2 and Karate Kid 3 and Maniac Cop 3, and then uh-huh. finally became an editor in television and, uh, and really kind of enjoyed that. And you know you sit in a dark room with a with a monitor moving things around and it, it it is so much like like writing except you're moving pictures instead of words and uh so it's it's an easy transition. Uh, I you know and that was one of my questions I was going to ask you is can you actually move around to see to make the the structure of what you're working on 
improve the storytelling? You know, like, can you actually alter it a little bit yourself? You mean on film? You're editing. Yeah, yeah. On film. several mm-hmm. times. Um, uh, most shows are shot much longer than the time allows. So basically, you're anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes long. So you, you've got to take things out. And other times, as far as the storytelling, you might want to move a scene from one act to another act because it's too early. It doesn't flow right. And so um, so we're able to do that. And as an editor, we get the very first chance. We put it together without anyone seeing it. And then the director comes in, and he's got three days to play with it and make it his. And he knows what he shot, and he worked with it a lot longer than I did because he goes through pre-production where he plans all his shots and looks at the locations and has an idea of what he wants. But that's never relayed to the editor. We just get the film and, and do what we think is right. So he gets three days, and when he's done, the producers come in, and, and generally they get three days, and they change what the director did. And after the producers okay. are finished, the, the studio comes in and say, uh, give their two cents. And when the studio is finished, the network comes in. So it goes through lots of changes, and, and quite often it will go back to the editor's version because everyone starts playing <laughs> with it, and, uh, and they, they, they haven't seen the earlier cut, so they don't really know. Oh, wow. It oh, kind of no, seems like uh, you all should be in the same room at the same time. So you guys could all go Yeah, well, it would, it would go quicker then. There's, right. there's usually, uh, there's three editors per, let's say, hour show, and they alternate uh, every third episode. So while they're shooting one, the editor's working on it, and then they start shooting another one, and a different editor works on that, and then a third editor works on the next round of dailies. And so you just keep rotating and rotating uh, between the three. Sometimes there's two, but basically three editors per show. Wow. Now, do you have say, like, in, let's say someone looks at what you've done and changes what you've done? Have you had that happen? And then oh, have to go back and all the time. put it back? It happens <laughs> all the time. And wow. I don't want to say that the editors are like the workers or the pair of hands, but we have to save our fights for the big battles. So if they want to change a few frames here, maybe a different take, uh, we usually let it go. But if it's something that we feel strongly about, all we can do is, is make our point to the director or the producer and see if they agree with me, but we can't do it too often or they'll, they'll just dump you. They'll get rid of you saying, you know, do what we say. So you got to choose your battles. Right. And I've worked with some, some very, uh, you know, pretty famous people. I, you know, Steven Spielberg uh, was a producer on ER. I uh, got a very nice letter when I won the Emmy for that. Um, nice. I've worked with uh, David Mamet on The Unit with Sean Ryan, uh, Michael Mann on Crime Story. And it's, it's, it's just interesting seeing all the different personalities and the creativity that most of them have. Right. It, it is definitely a collaboration. Oh, I bet. It just sounds like so much fun. I, I've done a little bit of editing myself in the past, and um, 
got very frustrated with it, actually, <laughs> sitting in the little booth in the dark, and you've got this thing that turns in front of you, and you flip through these seconds, <laughs> and having to choose. Yeah. I mean, that that's a lot of work. People don't understand. <laughs> that's, that's really It is, intense. because they'll shoot, they shoot it out of order, and they'll shoot maybe anywhere from three to five to, to even more takes of the same piece of action. So they'll give you four mm-hmm. different close-ups. And a lot of the times, they're almost identical. You know, there's usually one that's just very bad out of focus or, or something. Uh, and the others are all pretty good. So it, it is kind of a tough choice. And, and you almost can't go wrong because it, it's your vision, whatever you decide to do. And if you give 10 different mm-hmm. editors uh, a show, it would come out 10 different ways. And they'd all probably be decent. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. Definitely. Now, do you, you're still doing editing? You said now, right? Well, yeah, for the uh, the prison stuff, the jail stuff, and uh, I see. I've taken some time off from from network shows to travel. I've been doing a lot of traveling around the world, and I always take my video camera and I cut my travel videos like I would a, an episode of a show. I put in music and titles and transitions and dissolves and uh, voiceovers, and and my travel videos are kind of fun. So we're going uh, to the Philippines next Thursday, and I'll be bringing my camera and doing a home video of that, and that usually takes about three or four weeks. But it's nice. fun. And, and if you, I found if, if you don't do it, you forget so many things, and it's it's just a good record. Mhm. And do you see any of your books becoming a movie, or? It's funny you say that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly, the last two, the murder mysteries, because um, well, they're murder mysteries, and and they're funny. You know, I call it a normity for film noir and comedy. And uh, I think it's really cinematic. And uh, I have to get around to start showing people uh, that. I'm actually working on a script now with my friend Randy Morgan, and we're just about ready uh, to start sending that out for Should Have Seen It Coming. So, yeah, I definitely see it uh, as a film or maybe a TV movie or miniseries. But that's such a hard thing to really get off the ground. Um, but if you don't try, you can't get there. Right. Definitely. There's a lot of authors that talk to me about trying to get their books to become a movie or, you know, and they, it's, it's, it's definitely difficult to get that to happen. <laughs> what, yeah. What, what would you, and, you say know, to new... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, um, what what would you say to new authors about writing, or could you give them any tips? Well, I always consider myself a film editor who writes rather than an author, uh, and I probably should stop thinking that way. But I started at such a, a an older age that I would say just never give up, and and try and make the time and, and 
get that discipline that I lacked for so many years. You sit down and every day for even an hour, if you start putting things down, because it's so much easier, much like in editing, it's so much easier to change things once it's there, to fix it, move things around, but you've got to have it to start with. So I would just say uh, sit down, do it, forget about uh, however old you are, and, and make the time, even if it's even if it's for just a short time every day. And now what's so good is when I first came out with the first book, I tried to contact some mainstream publishers, and they wouldn't even answer. They wouldn't look at it. They wouldn't answer me. And so then I looked into self-publishing, and that's how I published all three of my books is is through Friesen Press, which is a self-publishing company. And I've been very pleased Hmm. and happy with it. So... And, and, you know, it, it's it's worth doing because you can always publish it. Right. And then it's the hard no, part, I mean, which is the promotion. Mm-hmm. Now, you're an editor, so, I mean, this this is – do you edit all your own stuff then? Uh, as far as the books? Books, I, I, yeah. I'm just so bad at spelling and I'm so bad at punctuation I had to go to an outside editor. And maybe because I'm a film editor, I realized how much you really need an editor, no matter if it's film or books. And the editors I've had, I've had three different editors for three different books, and they've all been extremely helpful, and uh, I'm glad that, that they were there to help. It's uh, with a little bit with story, but mostly the grammar, because I don't know, a semicolon from a, a comma. And you don't have to. That's what book editors are for. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> now, you self-publish, which is awesome, and all your books are up on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You've really got them all out there. Um, where, what do you see happening next now that you've completed these books? Are you going to move more towards film now and editing and maybe getting your books to become a movie, or do you feel like you need to write more? Which feels stronger? Well, all of the above. Um, (laughs) I I took a year off editing to write this uh, last book, and in between I went went to Vietnam and Cambodia, back to China again, to England and Wales, and I just traveled all over the place. But now I miss editing. And uh, so I just got an agent, and hopefully she'll find something for this upcoming season. In the meantime, uh, I'm finishing the script for my second book, and I've got an idea for a fourth book that I've actually got two pages on. So I've, I've started it. So I'm trying to do everything. Because, wow. uh, you know, you run out of time when you get older. <laughs> I bet you're supposed to have more time. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Rick, you ever hear about relaxing <laughs> and, like, taking it back and just <laughs> slowing down a little bit? No. Well, I, right? think I relaxed a little too much in my younger years, and now it's time to get to work. I'm doing it just a little backwards. There you go. That's okay. <laughs> just don't wear yourself too thin. We need, to, we need to see more books come out of Rick, and we need to see more editing done and – Got to see these books get into a film somehow, some way. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, you'd think I'd have more contacts there because I've worked with so many people, but it's 
it's a little hard to to go to some big producer that you've worked with and and get them to read a book. Uh, But (laughs) I just haven't gotten around to that part yet. Right. That's why people have agents. The agents do that. But it's also a little catch-22. It's hard to get an agent unless you've been out there before. So uh, little by little, you know, things are meant to be, and and if they happen, they happen. Right, definitely. Now, Rick, we got about a minute and a half left. What would you like to share with everyone? Uh, Well, it's it's been really quite a journey, uh, you know, starting in China and writing the first book and then switching genres going to uh, murder fiction. Uh, But it's been fun. And it's been very rewarding. Uh, even if it doesn't sell a million copies, uh, something that I'm proud of. And uh, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. People seem to like them. And, you know, they say they, they laughed all the way through it, even as, you know, uh, there were some very serious subjects. So I, I'm happy about that. Um, you know, my first love is editing. And I've worked on some great shows and a couple of films that I'm not so proud of, but, but even that, uh, I always thought that people should get awards for the shows that are so bad that you made them arable. And I've worked on mm-hmm. a few of those that, that, that were just dreadful. Um, but you somehow make it work. So at least it can be aired. And, and that's the challenge that I really like. Anyone can cut a, a great show like that ER episode that I did, uh, where I won the Emmy and the ACE award. It was great acting, great writing. Uh, Mimi Leader directed. She did a terrific job. And so cutting it wasn't the challenge. I mean, it, was, it wasn't easy either, but that made, they made it easy. If you have all the other things working for you, uh, then it's easy. It, it's the bad shows that really need the help. Right. Definitely. <clears throat> and I was well, just Rick, asking thank you know, you. people that to check out the books, go to ricktuber.com mm-hmm. and uh, and tell me what you think. Definitely. I'm going to have to get my hands on all of them. I mean, it, it's so interesting and the way you're telling me how they kind of all link together too somewhat, I would definitely like to read them all. And, you know, we'd like to have you come back onto the show because what I'd like to do is read them and then have you back. <laughs> Great. And just get really into them. <laughs> Well, they're they're so, easy reading. I don't use a lot of big words, and uh, the chapters are very short, so you can pick it up and put it down, and and not get lost. Right, so short great. chapters help. That's good for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and me too. Awesome. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll have to come to you when I start writing. And <laughs> hey, Rick. <laughs> I'm glad to help. <laughs> I am glad to help. My friend just wrote his first book. It was 600 pages, and I just gave him my thoughts. So, yeah, wow. we've got to help each other. Right, right. I don't think I can write 600, but you never know. You never know. You inspired <laughs> me tonight. So, Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show tonight. And congratulations on your all your Emmys and awards and my goodness, I'm so honored to have you come on to Sherry Clips. It's, it really is an honor to have you here. And everyone, check out ricktuber.com, 
and you'll learn all about his books on there and more about Rick. So don't want to miss that. Um, well, you can go on Amazon so and all those. Oh, you're welcome. You can go on all those. Go on Amazon and you can check out your books on there on Barnes and Noble. If you get into one of those stores, you can check out his books. And of course, he's all over the place. So Google. There we go. Google Rick Tuber, and you'll see a whole list of stuff come up about Rick. Right, Rick? Right. I will drink to that right now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I will too. I'll drink my sparkling water. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, everyone. I hope you had fun listening to the show tonight. And Rick, we're going to have you come back. I hope in the near future and give us an update on everything. I would love to. Okay, excellent. All right, everyone, you have yourself a great night and a wonderful weekend. And we'll be back again next Friday, right here, same time, same place. Everyone, have yourself a great night. Good night, Rick. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.